Hey guys, welcome back. It's Chris Bircher. This is Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom, episode 137, Making Room for Discomfort Leads to Growth. Right, this is, uh, as usual, something that's been on my mind lately, but it sort of goes back a few months in talking to my brother, who is a little bit older than me, and he's going to retire soon. And he's planning on riding his bike across the country, or at least, you know, to, to organize some sort of a, ma- a major trek by bicycle um, where he, you know, not a not a glamping type of thing where he might be sleeping on the side of the road, you know, hotels maybe once every few nights. Um, and he's, you know, he'll be in his 60s and he and talking to other people who have done similar things, the advice they gave him was, if you're okay being a little tired and a little uncomfortable, it's no big deal. You know, or, you know, if you want to know how to prepare for this or how it's going to feel, it's going to be uncomfortable and you're going to be tired all the time. And, you know, it made me think about something I used to teach my students is that, you know, we have this thing we call a comfort zone that we tend to stay in. And if you stay in your comfort zone too long, like your whole life, you just sort of get complacent and then you get bored and then you kind of forget that you're doing it. And then you just live, you know, what I would consider an unexamined life, if there's no growth and there's no change and there's no discomfort, what do you have to look forward to? And that's a scary sort of scenario for me. And I used to tell my students, you know, the cool thing about having a comfort zone is that you know when you're pushing up against the edge of it and you're about to enter into some discomfort or uncomfortable territory or maybe to a new experience because you start to get uncomfortable, right? As you get closer to this imaginary boundary between things that you're used to, things that you know how to do and things that you're comfortable with, your body tells you, you know, you get a warning. And then a lot of us retreat from that warning out of fear of the unknown and, you know, all the different things to discomfort, not the least of which, but really, as I as I grew up and, and that sort of I had more experiences where I would sort of, you know, I, I learned to become a better public speaker, even though I was terrified and felt nauseous or as a musical performer in front of people, I had to I had to push that comfort zone. I had to be uncomfortable for a little while. And then I find that on the other side of that is actually pleasure. And the you know, the opposite of discomfort. <laughs> it's actually comfort. And so you know, personal growth, which I would say that this channel and my person is a huge advocate of. I mean, it's a hobby, if not an obsession for me. Nonetheless, you know, I want to be growing every day, every year. I want to experience the fullness of being a human being. And that means becoming new things, learning new things and constantly sort of, you know, and so I like to know and at the edge of my comfort zone because I, that's a, that's a, that's a, alert to say, okay, I'm, I'm doing something good. Now that's not to say that I don't retreat and I'm not terrified a lot. You know, I make decisions not to do things. Uh, very often my family went to France uh, and I didn't go up the Eiffel Tower because I didn't want to experience the discomfort of being in a tight place with a ton of people at a super height, right? All of those things combined to outweigh the experience of being able to see the view from up there. You know, that's my choice, right? Maybe it was a bad choice. Maybe it's something I regret. I don't. Um, but anyway, that's a good example of how to do that. So I, and the, the important thing here is that we, I think today, 2023, August, you know, the state of the world, I say this all the time. It, it we have problems, right? Humans have problems from 
the individual level of anxiety and depression and suicide and racism, uh, social justice issues, class warfare, wealth inequality, uh, climate change, pollution. You know, there's a lot of things we could be doing better. And I'm obsessed with that. And as much as I think we should grow as individuals, I also think we should grow as a species uh, and sort of correct some of these faults. And, you know, I'll be talking about that a lot more in the future. And I'm working on an article uh, trying to summarize those thoughts right now. But inside of all that is a lot of division. You know, a commonality to many of those problems that I think humans are experiencing right now is us versus them, an other sort of division that has become stronger. We have become less tolerant of viewpoints that are different, of skin colors that are different, of sexual orientations that are different, of even just thought processes that are different. You know, growing up, I liked skateboarding and I was ridiculed because by the football fans because skateboarding isn't football. Like, what? What? I don't understand that. It's like this narcissism of small differences. We both like athletic activities. What's the problem? And that's been a, a an evolving, increasingly worsening theme of my life is this division. And I think it's related to this comfort zone thing. As we approach another person, you know, if you can imagine now these comfort bubbles that surround a single person sort of bouncing into each other, a similar thing happens, Right. If we bump into a comfort zone of somebody who's similar to us, there's not a whole lot of discomfort. Like, oh, you like Doritos. I like Doritos. You like chocolate ice cream. I like chocolate ice cream. You like big trucks. I like big trucks. You like fishing. I like fish. We know those don't create a lot of discomfort. But if you bump up against something that you don't know anything about, but, you know, the, 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 the evolutionary human response is to be wary, or afraid, dare I say, of that different thing that creates discomfort. That leads us to retreat, right? We're making the wrong decision. We're looking at discomfort as a something to run away from instead of something that could induce a positive experience you know, or something that's necessary as part of evolution. You know, it's like Somewhere along the lines, we changed our values from growing and being a little uncomfortable in doing so, like my brother's bicycle trip. He wants to have this major experience. Is he willing to be a little tired and a little uncomfortable to do it? He is. Somebody else might not. But I think the net balance of that is that he's going to have a meaningful experience uh, that is going to be far better than any of the discomfort, right? Uh, and so we, we've, we've made this decision to not value those experiences. And then instead, and that's, and that's fine, a neutral response to discomfort is fine. But to say that it's wrong and then to sort of double down on the division, double down on the separateness, um, the separatist attitude of I'm not you and you're not me, you know, by saying that, by declaring that that discomfort is some sort of a badge of honor, illuminating differences is, I can't get behind that. I can't, I can't include that in a universal set of tenets that define a good human being, right? I can say that those are likely to be responses to prior trauma, uh, either learned or directly experienced. I can, I can sympathize and empathize with people who retreat from discomfort due to fear, learned fear. I get that. 
But I think if we could all sit down individually, collectively, I know this is a hard thing to do, but I, I swear it's the solution to our problem. Ultimate long-term solution to our problem is to hash this out in whatever way we have to do it. Uh, that we will reach a consensus and have individual thoughts, agreements, and experiences that illustrate this point that we actually don't want to be divisive. We don't actually want to retreat from the things that make us uncomfortable or make us scared. We actually want to learn how to deal with them. And and I said in my freedom episode, that's what defines freedom to me. If you have to constantly retreat from discomfort of the unknown, you are effectively imprisoning yourself. And what we're doing today is we're putting up increasing numbers of walls defining that prison because we are identifying more of the things that scare us. We've doubled down on the strategy to say, I'm not that. And so there's all these walls that we're not. And that just puts us into a smaller and smaller and more restrictive prison that does nothing but reduce our freedoms. And I think once you could walk everybody through that, using examples from their own life, they will agree that an escape and out uh, a doorway to freedom uh, is being okay with a little bit of discomfort. Like when you, you know, I have things, I don't like to be surprised. I don't like, you know, it's like seeing a car wreck, right? That'll change you forever. It makes you, I don't, nobody wants to see that. That's uncomfortable. But what if we could create a space where we're okay with that, that we process, we learn to process and understand our own feelings and emotions and needs. We need to not be shocked, surprised, blindsided. We need, that's a, that's a, nobody wants that, right? Sometimes it happens and it doesn't mean, typically this is the way it is. Those fears, those discomforts that we retreat from don't usually mean what we think they mean. You know, because someone has a different skin color doesn't mean we're unsafe, and we need to be defensive, right? That's not what that means. It's a long, that's a long way and a really low probability reaction. A more appropriate reaction is something like, this person may be from a culture that I don't understand because I don't know anything about it. I may be ignorant. You know, they're, so better understanding these human transactions, like observing a car wreck, which is extremely painful, uncomfortable, and potentially, you know, just sorrowful, Understanding the things that you're feeling in that moment and knowing that they're not anything that's wrong with you or to be afraid of, et cetera, et cetera. You know, just having a better idea of what is actually happening because you understand yourself and your fellow person better, I think would lead you more to empathize and be compassionate with yourself and open the door to empathizing and being compassionate for other people, right? Which is exactly what needs to happen in any of these discomfort, these uncomfortable situations. You know, what we need to be doing in those situations is recognize that everybody involved is probably feeling the same. And instead of divide us, let that unite us. You know, I used to be a metaphobic. I had this fear that I would start vomiting in public. 
And, and, and then once, and it took a long time for me to understand what this fear was all about. And if you think about it, it's a loss of control. It's embarrassment. It's that surprise thing. I don't want to induce someone else to have to be a part of that, right? There's so many things in there. But then someday I realized as I gradually made myself more comfortable with you know, the low probability of this happening, you know, that nausea is a bad feeling, that I can learn to deal with that, all these little baby steps. I finally had a, the, the monolithic sort of major uh, um, piece of information that really helped me get over that last little bit. And I still struggle with, with the fear of vomiting. Don't get me wrong. It's not like it's gone. Was the idea that if this indeed happened... The worst case for me was on an airplane. So if that happened on an airplane in an enclosed space that I'm totally not in control of, right? There's a good probability, probably higher than the probability of a bad outcome, that the people, there would be people around me who would see that as a chance for nurturing, caregiving, and and this the opposite of divisiveness, right? Like I, I thought of like, you know, predominantly women, mothers, nurturers who would see this as an opportunity of being compassionate with and empathizing with my discomfort and using that as a moment to bring us together and to sort of take help me, right? To help that people would be more likely to provide help and compassion than they would be to be disgusted and angry at me, which was part of my fear, right? I I see that world. I think that is sort of the the natural, um, instinctive, childlike, innocent reaction that humans would have in, in witnessing their own and other people's discomfort would be to turn on the compassion to bring things together to help elevate everyone and to help. I truly think that's how humans are. The problem is, We've let all this pettiness get in the way, and, and and frankly, our own fears. You know, instead of instead of being open and comfortable and okay with discomfort about our fears and learning about them and accepting them and being compassionate with ourselves and others about them, we've we've hidden them in the dark corners of the world, and we we defend ourselves against them, and and that makes us divisive and more attacking and defensive, you know, which comes out as aggressive sometimes. So that, you know, that, that in a nutshell is a, is a big chunk of what's been going on in my head. And I think we have to, at the very first baby steps, look at these situations when we're uncomfortable. That's a, that's a, not a trigger. I almost said trigger. That's an opportunity, right? This is the world the universe, you, yourself telling you that you're getting ready, you're approaching a situation where you have a choice to fight, flight, freeze, or fawn, right? To, to let whatever your learned, trained, domesticated reaction is, and typically they aren't good, and typically they're trauma-based, you know, you're going to fight, fight, fawn, you know, whatever. You're going to do these things that you always do when something startles you or something becomes uncomfortable. But if you can see it for what it is, Prior to that behavior sort of just manifesting and implementing itself, you're you know five steps down the road before you even realize what's happening, and that's why meditation is important. Um, and sort of knowing yourself, you actually can choose a different path, right? You can see what's going on. You can recognize this as being an opportunity. Oh, here's one of those things 
that happens to people where I have a choice of making sort of a, 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 a less evolved choice and to implement this fight, whatever, this behavior that I, you know, doesn't really lead to anything positive uh, that further divides me away from the situation and denies myself this opportunity to grow or I can sit with it. You know, it's the first step is just sort of recognize it and be like a passive observer in the process and just say, look at what is happening to me right now. Once you do that a few times and sort of get used to it, and again, this requires a practice to sort of build open the space to even see what's going on in your reactive life. Uh, But once you have that, then you can sort of make choices about how you might want to do things differently. And I promise you, you actually can build in more comfort or you know less discomfort with the bad things in life that's that sort of set you up in these situations to make bad decisions or to further divide you from uh the people around you and sort of <laughs> that collectively builds to make the world a worse place right ignoring discomfort or running away from it is making the world a worse place it's making us anxious and depressed and suicidal as individuals it's making us make stupid decisions like valuing money, power, and status over you know human health and good relationships uh, and polluting the environment and letting these things happen and choosing people to be in governments that don't work and, and not doing anything about it and being passive sort of observers to the life going down the drain. You know, that is, that's what we want, then we're doing really good. Uh, and and you know, I guess at the front of all of this is the assumption that we actually aren't doing a real good job. And that we can change ourselves and each other and the the collective and the species and the biosphere, right? That's the plan. And this is a ticket. You know, this is seeing these, you know, we, we don't often know what to do as people. And we sort of hope that when a situation arises that we do the right thing. Right, and a lot of our bad decisions, we we can explain away and say, "Well, it's not my fault. I don't make enough money. I was born on the bad side of the tracks. You know, I don't. I never had the opportunities. All these things can be true. Even even the elitist top one percent have excuses for why they do the things they do. You know, those are all discomfort opportunities. We don't want to look in the mirror and not like what we see, and so we create all of this shit." to make ourselves feel better about that. You know, that that is the wrong <laughs> wrong way to do it. I don't know what, to, what else to say about that. I can, again, the future of knowledge plus experience equals wisdom in my sort of life's work is figuring this out in better detail so that it makes more sense. Um, all I can say is that we're fortunate to have a system to tell us when these things are happening. You know, it's not that hard. It sounds like an impossible task. You know, let's eliminate climate change. That's an impossible task. Or let's reverse climate change. This is the type of solution that I propose is the one that's going to work, right? By accepting the opportunities that already present themselves just by looking at them differently. You know, one of the wisest things I ever heard, and I've heard this from more than one person now, was um, a life coach, a healer that I used to work with, that I actually interviewed on here, Neil Bjorklund. He uh, made some sort of a comment that when he and his sort of coach and therapist friends would be together and and they would share things that were happening in their lives that were uncomfortable, an ailing parent, um, diagnosis of cancer or something like that. 
but they would sort of collectively giggle a little bit and agree that, oh, this is a real opportunity for you. You know, they, it wouldn't be like this transaction of, oh, that's so terrible. What good does that do, right? You can all envision getting some bad news in your life or sharing some bad news and having the, that reaction happen where everybody's just commiserating in this, you know, almost gossip-like depression. Whereas they chose to look at it differently. This is an opportunity. When you push up against your comfort zone, it's life <laughs> telling you, you know, this is something you can do. Here's, 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 I'm presenting you with a gift. And it's really just looking at it differently. Now, I'm not saying, you know, if you're a loved one is killed in a car accident, that you need to go bragging to everybody about this wonderful opportunity you just got. Not by any means. Uh, but I think after some, you know, commensurate period of grief and, and reaction, we can teach ourselves to be more comfortable with this discomfort. And that opens the door for seeing it as an opportunity. Making room for discomfort leads to growth. This has been Knowledge Plus Experience, episode 137. I'm Chris Bircher. I appreciate your time. Uh, take it easy. <laughs>